super excited. So today uh, we are in the third, I believe the third installment of our sermon series. What's it called? For the love of money, where we're looking at um, all of the different types of concepts. We're looking at all of the different precepts when it comes to money, when it comes to wealth, when it comes to prosperity. But the, the cool thing that we're doing is we're looking at it from the perspective of the kingdom. We're looking at it from the, the perspective of, of, of how if it's out there for you to get, then you should have it. Like, you, we, we, we don't believe in being humble when it comes to money. We believe, like, if it's out there for me to get, I'm going to get it. If God said I could be blessed with all these different things in the word, I'm expecting two of it, three of it of it, four of it, not just so that I can be blessed, but that I can do what? Bless others. So today, I'm just hoping that through the word of God and through God's spirit that he'll meet you where you are. I'm just going to talk. I do it really, really well. I have the gift of gab, but it's God's anointing. He's the master teacher. I'm just an open vessel for him to be able to speak through. I threw this message together like mad quick, and somebody say mad quick. Mad quick last night, but I know that it's anointed because it came from God and it didn't come from me. So if you're ready to, uh, to, to if you're ready to hear the word, clap once. All right, let's do it. So I got a story for you. So um, when when I was growing up in middle school and high school, um, the school district that I was in decided to go from. Uh, paying for lunch with cash to paying for lunch with a number. So when I got into the school system, I got this number. And I don't know about you, but there's a little bit of anxiety. Um, how many of you guys have little children? How many of you online? And like they have a number to punch in for school. It was five digits, but, but once I got it figured out, I was like buying lunch all the time. I was buying lunch. I went to every single lunch period to eat. Like I was just trying to eat because I disassociated the number with the dollars that were actually going in, into the account. So what would happen is it's like after I would, after you would get low, um, your parent or whoever was paying for the bill, they would get a notification. And it would basically say like, hey, little Johnny or little Susie is eating up all your money, but we need some more if you want them to eat. So my parents would get these, um, these messages frequently. They would basically say, uh, Josh is, is eating like the whole check, not a piece of it, not a part of it, not partial. He's not eating a snack in the morning and a snack in the evening. No, he's eating snacks with multiple S's and he's eating lunches, right? And um, what, what started to happen was is that they also started to get letters in the mail because they were finding out that I was spending money, but there were other kids that weren't. So, okay, stop looking at me. And I know y'all looking at me online. So this is what was happening. Long story short, I was just paying for everybody's lunch. My thing was like, oh, you're hungry? Oh, yeah, I got you. Oh, free for reduced lunch? Oh, I got you. Yeah, come on over here. Like, oh, you, don't, oh, you only got one chocolate milk? Everybody needs two chocolate milks. I ain't going to give you one of mine, but you need two. As dry as these chicken sandwiches is, you need... Like, ketchup ain't going to do it, my guy. Like, you need some chocolate milk. And what happened was is that the school started sending letters to my parents basically saying, your son's doing all these, like, this great charitable work. I don't know what's happening. Where did you guys get these funds from? You're paying for, he's paying for all these different people's lunches. Like, half of the cafeteria is eating good. Like, your son is just a great guy. And he might be looking to be school president. I really wasn't. I just saw that people were hungry. I had the ability to do so, and I filled the need. Can you say fill the need? Can you type out fill the need? That I had what I needed, and I filled the need. But the problem was that it wasn't mine. The thing that I found out, well, I didn't know. I mean, I knew it wasn't mine, but I came home and I got chastised. And my dad was like, look, boy, look, 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 son. You know, like when you opening up the door, the screen door, I don't know if any of y'all got like a, a super Southern granny. She said, listen, we ain't trying to heat the neighborhood. Like shut the door. You either in or you out. Choose one. The same way. We ain't trying to feed the entire community, Joshua. I had two kids, not 7,000. So what happened was, is my dad sat me down and we had this conversation, and, and he looked at me, and he said, listen, um, 
you, you are disassociating the system that I'm giving you privilege to use. Did, did, did you get that? Like, he said, yes, you can freely use, but it's not to be freely given. Like, this is something that I, I've given you an assignment. That number, when you punch it, I need you to understand that you're taking food out of your sister's mouth, and you're taking gas out of the car, and you're taking, you're taking lights out of the wall. Like, when you give to other people, that's great, but it's not your money to give, because this money, this money right here, can you say this money right here, this bank account, this savings account, it, it's purposed. We steward it. Yes, we have money to feed everybody, but God has given us this wealth so that we can help people with a plan. Not just out of nowhere, which basically means that you can think that you're blessing people and you're really killing yourself. That's why God says that he wants a cheerful giver. So you can know when the giving isn't right once it's no longer cheerful. Woo! Okay, now I ain't playing with y'all. I ain't playing with them. I'll talk to you in your living room. The minute your giving becomes uncheerful and you feel some type of way around it, or once you give something to somebody, you get upset when they don't talk to you about giving it back. The question is not that you don't need the money. The question is, where is your heart? So today we're going to do a heart posture check because mine had to be checked. I wanted to help so many different people, but I was helping them with things that were not mine. So today I want to talk to you from a subject that's really going to, it it provoked me last night. Uh, It provokes my checking account and my bank account almost every single day. Not every single day, every single day. And my title this morning is Make Me a Cake. Now, we've all listened to the story of 2 Kings uh, chapter 17. It's the story of Elijah, and he meets a woman, and and she's ready to die. But today, we're going to look through it. We're going to look at it through a different perspective. We're going to look at it through a different lens. And I'm praying that through the word that you're going to uh, get a little bit of something extra off of this. Amen? All right, here we go. So we're going to start in the, in, in the, first, in the first verse, uh, 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. And it says, and then this happened. Elijah the Tishbite from among the settlers of Gilead confronted Ahab. Listen to what he says and underline this. He says, as surely as God lives, the God of Israel, before whom I stand in obedient service, the next years are going to see a total drought, not a drop of dew or rain unless I say otherwise. Now, the funny thing about this verse is that most people would think that he's speaking for God, that God is saying there's going to be no rain, and once there's no rain, once I say something, rain rain's going rain's to uh, come down. But the misconception of what people have been preaching and teaching you is that God gave Elijah the power to bring the rain. He's not even giving God permission. God basically told him that you have the ability, if something's going on, you can stop the rain. So that's why when we read the word of God, when it says, if you see a mountain that's not where it's supposed to be, you can cast it out. It's not that you're not just using the power of God, but you're using the power of God within you. Because there's this crazy thing in Genesis that happens when God created man. When God created man, he didn't just, he never created man. He created God himself in lowercase g. So there are different derivatives of the Bible. There are different translations of the Bible. And we are more comfortable with saying that God made man. But when God made man, he actually made God. So if God can create the earth with his words, if he can look at a thing and make lights and birds and beasts and whatnot, then we can literally open up our mouth and speak provision from a place that is dry. Oh, my God. So listen to this. So then God told Elijah, once Elijah spoke, God moved. What I say? Once Elijah spoke, God did what? He moved. So God then told Elijah, he said, "Get underline this, get out of here and fast. Once you open up your mouth and you want water from a place that has no water, you got to be listening for the voice of God to give you instruction on how to do it. 
You might know what you want, but God's going to give you the ABCs and the one, two, threes of how to get the bread, right? He says, excuse me, get out of here and fast. Head east and hide out at the Kareth Ravine on the other side of the Jordan River. You can drink fresh water from the brook. I've ordered the ravens to feed you. He basically says, go fast and pray, but when you're ready to eat, it's going to be supplied for you. Even though there's going to be a drought, you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink. And it's not because I'm just a good father and want to supply it to you. It's because in verse, uh, in verse number, uh, in verse number, where am I? I'm stuttering a little bit. In verse number one, you said that there was going to be no rain. So I'm going to provide for you because you said it. It's going to get good to you in a second. I know you like wipe the sleep out of your eyes. Like maybe you should take your pajamas off and put on your church clothes and sit on the couch. That way you can like be there. You know what I mean? I feel you in my soul. Like, like you're pulling on me. Okay, so Elijah obeys God, and he obeys his orders. So this is what he did. He went and camped in the, in the Kareth Canyon on the other side of the Jordan. And sure enough, ravens brought him his meals, both breakfast and supper, and he drank from the brook. But listen to this, verse 7. Eventually, that brook that was, feeding, that was giving him water, it dries up because of the drought. Then God spoke to him. What does he say? Get up and go to Zarephath in Sidon and live there. I've instructed a woman who lives there, a widow, to feed you. My first point this morning is for you to understand that drought doesn't always mean damage. Just because there's a drought in your life doesn't mean it's because of a lack of precipitation. Sometimes there's a lack of precipitation in your life because you told God that you wanted to prove who he is. And in order for him to prove that he's the living water, he has to turn off the main. Oh, my God. In order for him to prove I am the living water, I am the source of water, you, every house in Omaha, wherever you're living, has this main that goes to the house that provides water to your sinks, it provides water to your bathroom, it provides water to, to the hose. And what you basically did, Elijah, is you stood in your house and said, God, I'm turning off all the, I, I, don't, I want you to be living water. So God literally took away any other evidence for there to be any other proof that it was anybody but God. You'll get it in a second. You'll get it in a second. So as the children of God, we get a heads up when disaster comes. Like there's going to be a drought. It doesn't say that Elijah just pulled this out of his back pocket. We have to believe that Elijah is a prophet. Elijah is a man of God. Elijah is a man after God's own heart, which means that they have communication and they have understanding. So there are people in this room, there are people in our church and around the world that before everybody started freaking out and before governors and the president started saying things, there was something that was happening in the spirit realm on the inside of them that was telling them, like, I don't know what it is, but I think we need to pray. I I don't know what it is, but I think I need to go three, four days without eating because the saints of God are always the first ones to get the sound of the alarm because it's silent it's done in the spiritual realm and you got to be tapped in to hear what God is doing come on say it with me you got to be tapped in to hear what God is doing the other thing that we get outside of this alarm this silent alarm is that we get protection the funny thing about what Elijah said he says hey there's not going to be any water but then God but but then but then God tells him okay there's not going to be any water but I'm going to make sure that, that you're taken care of So regardless of what's going on outside of where I'm putting you, you're going to be taken care of. Like, I'm so bad, I'm going to make sure that the ravens bring you bread. Like, I'm so bad, I'm not even going to make it rain. I'm just going to provide water. It's just going to hover in the air. And you're going to be able to sip from it with a reed straw. Like, God is so bad that he's trying to make sure that if if I do it for you, that you can't claim it. 
So Elijah, you said there's going to be a drought. Most definitely. But if I'm going to provide provision for you, I need to make sure that people can't say, oh, wow, Elijah's powerful. No, they have to be like, how? 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 That's why God doesn't get glorified when you think that you did it. Okay, let me move on. Let me move on. So let's go to verse number 10. It's about to get really good, I promise you. I only got four points, but they're powerful, I promise you. This is the second, this is the second part of, of, of the sermon this morning. So he got up and he went to Zarephath. As he came to the entrance of the village, he met a woman, a widow, gathering firewood, the woman that God said that he had prepared to meet him. He asked her, underline this, he said, please, would you bring me a little water in a jug? I need a drink. As she went to get it, he called out, and while you're at it, would you bring me something to eat? Then she said in the 12th verse, she said, I swear as surely as your God lives. Why would she say your God lives? That must mean that she doesn't know the God of Elijah. So that means that God sent Elijah to a situation with a person that didn't know him. But remember what the word said. It said that God prepared the woman. So that means that in your situation, when you're sent to situations where people don't know God, God is already preparing them for you. Ah! So, ah! so when you walk into your, bo like your boss's office and they curse you out and they don't, they don't know the God, like when you say, I don't work on Sundays, and they're like, oh, you don't work on Sundays, regardless of what comes out of their mouth, God is already prepared on their heart. All God is looking for, Elijah, is are you going to ask the woman for the bread like I told you to. Elijah could have simply said, well, she doesn't know you, God. God says, everybody knows me. They just haven't been introduced yet. Oh, my God. There's something different on today. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm sitting. Maybe it's, maybe it's the Jordans. I don't know what it is. Maybe I should take them off. I don't know what it is. But today's energy is something crazy. So listen to this. She said, I don't have so much as a biscuit. That's tough. Biscuits are easy. All you need is some water, some shortening, and some butter. And if you got buttermilk, you're straight. But if you're not, it's going to be a little bit dry, but you put some honey on that thing, you're all right. She says, I don't even have so much as a biscuit. I have a handful of flour in a jar and a little bit of oil in a bottle. You found me, scratching. You found me with less than enough. Like, I ain't balling out of control. You found me trying to figure it out. There are people that you have been sent into their life and they're figuring it out. Your job isn't to drag them to your level. Your job is to ask them for everything that they have because you have this ability to take the little that they got and introduce them to a man that has more than enough, a man that owns cattle on a thousand hills, the man that literally is water. So it's like, so the funny thing about Elijah is that Elijah like gives two rips about what she, like what, what, what she has and what she's thinking. Listen to this. So she says, uh, after we eat this, we're going to die. Elijah says to her and underline this, Elijah says, okay, that's cool. Like, don't worry about a thing. Go ahead and do whatever you, whatever you said. Like, he said, go ahead and make your food and die. I could really care less what you, if you die. Like, I kind of know something that's going to happen at the end of the chapter, but go ahead and believe you're going to die. But before you do that, <laughs> like, but first, <laughs> but, but first make a small biscuit for me and bring it, bring it back here. Then go ahead and make a meal from what's left for you and your son. Remember how she said all she was going to make was a biscuit. But Elijah says, make for me a small one and then make a what? A meal. How do you tell a man, I only have enough for a biscuit? You tell me, make a biscuit for me and you'll make a meal for yourself. 
I think that's a little bit of foreshadowing. I think that the people of God are going to begin waking up when they read the word and start seeing how God has already delivered the victory in the beginning of the verse and not at the end. Because when God speaks to us in our situation, it's foreshadowing. When God says everything's going to be all right, we don't wait for it in the morning. Oh, joy is coming. No, I have joy now because God wouldn't speak to me about something that he's not sure about. Look at your neighbor and say, God would not speak to me about something that he is not sure about. When God wants to give you something, he doesn't have to go withdraw it. When God wants to give you something, he doesn't have to put it on back order. When God wants to give you something, when God wants you to have something, he doesn't go and, like, find a house on the market. He builds one in his mind, and he puts it in the head of another creator, and they build your house. Like, I want to make sure you understand, God does not use used goods. God says the flour and the oil that you have, ma'am, I, I can't use that because it's old. It's the last of what you have. I only work with first. Oh, my God. Let me get there. 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 But first, make me a small biscuit. Listen to what he says to her. This is the word of God of Israel. The jar of flour will not run out, and the bottle of oil will not become empty before God sends what? Rain on the land and ends what? This drought. Once she hears this, she doesn't fight with Elijah anymore. Once he says what she says, and I'm going to reveal it to you in a second because it was so good to me at like 1130. It was so good. And it was better at 2 o'clock, and it got gooder at 5. And then when I fell asleep at 6 o'clock, I was like, oh, I finally got it. And I knocked out and woke up 30 minutes later. It's great. <laughs> Listen to what he says. Listen to what she says. And she went right off and did it. She didn't challenge him. She didn't fight him. She didn't say we're going to die. As soon as he said what he, was gonna, what he said, she just got to moving. She did just as Elijah asked. Underline this part in your Bible if you're using your smartphone. Well, you have to be using a smartphone. Ain't no flip phones watching us this morning. So make sure that you underline this. It says, and it turned out as who said? Elijah, as he said, daily food for her and her family. The jar of meal didn't run out and the bottle of oil didn't become empty. God's promise fulfilled to the letter exactly as Elijah had delivered it. Now, I don't know if you've heard this message before, but this is usually where they stop. This is the part where they stop. Provision came, and her life is great, but later on her son dies. But I want to show you something that's particular. My second point is that God's alternative plan requires your alternative faith. Some of the things that God asked you for before required a certain level of faith. But this new thing that God is asking you for won't use the faith that he asked you for before. God works from glory to glory, from faith to Faith, which means that the, what you use to believe to get what I got you last season, you, it's not that I don't want you to use it. It's, no, you can't. It's used up. Once I bring something new into your life, the glory that I had on the old thing dies. So we got a lot of people walking around with what God gave them faith for, thinking that God's in that old thing. And God says, you already got it. Once you grabbed it, I can't hold on to it anymore. Therefore, it can no longer be glorified. So God's like, as long as you are holding on to something in this hand, I can't deliver something to you in the same hand that you're grasping something. So the faith that you used in this one, you really need to let that go and use your faith for something else. Okay, right now, whoever it is, you need some faith to let go of what God blessed you with because this is the only thing that you have that you can recollect that God did for you. But I think that God's trying to get something to you, boo-boo, that you really need to let go of whatever that was and let God give you what he has for you next. 
God doesn't see faith with things in your hands. Ah, God sees faith with hands that are open, hands that are unoccupied. Because the only way that you reach, the only way that you get anything from a father is with open hands and if they're extended. That's why worship is so important. When you worship, you literally become a funnel. That's why when you worship, depending on how high you raise your hands, you're telling God how much you want. God, I want this much. Okay, if you super save, God, this is all I need. But then at some point in time, what you do is you jump into the river of God and you turn your funnel into a hose. And God, whatever you got, whatever you got, it's for me. So listen to this. God has a special affinity for not enough. Like there are multiple times in the word, there are multiple times in the Bible where God uses not enough. Can you say not enough? Like, he uses people that don't have enough time. Abraham, that man was old. I'm going to give you all, as many stars as there are in the sky, I'm going to give you those children. Abraham's like, bro, like, I'm shooting dust. There ain't no way. <laughs> he uses people that don't have enough money. The woman who, who, the woman who cried on Jesus' feet and dried his feet with her hair. While she's surrounded by kings and queens and princes that are literally trying to give their kingdoms, Jesus says, uh-uh, this one. Because she gave me, even though it was the last of what she had, it was all she had. Jesus uses, God uses people that don't have enough energy. Like, God, I'm tired. Moses, when they were fighting, his arms began to become shaky. He's like, I can't do this anymore. And God says, oh, you're exactly who I need. Because if you don't have enough energy, that means you're going to have to use mine. But the funniest thing is that today I believe that God uses people that don't have enough influence. So because we live in this world where everybody's an influencer. I'm an influencer. I have a million people on Instagram. That, like, that's great how many followers you are, but who are you leading them to really truly be followed by? Are they followed by what they see in your recent posts, or are they followed by the actions and the character and the morale of who you are, that you serve a God that is bigger than how many people follow you? God likes it that way because then he's able to provide for a person who can't provide for themselves. Eliza's instructions when he talks to her are three different things. He tells her to go, he tells her to die, and he tells her to believe. Let, let me prove it to you. The first thing that he says is, go make me a biscuit. Like, move from where you are and do what I said. The second thing that he says is like, go ahead and die. <laughs> Disrespectful as it may be, like, die. Like, that, that's fine. But the third thing that he tells her to do is he tells her to believe. He tells her to go and make the biscuit. He tells her to die. Then he tells her to believe. And I think in the same way, when, God, when we want something, God tells us to do the same three things. God says, go. Now that you told me what you want me to do, your faith without your works is dead. So you need to go and do something. Because sitting and waiting around on me is not how faith works. The second thing that you need to do, Joshua, once you ask me to, to do something, you need to die. In the sense of the way that you think money works, you need to kill it. He says, go ahead and die. And how I translated that was, it's that thinking that is going to keep you from what I have to get you. Because if I bless you with this new thing, with your old thinking, you're going to treat it like the old thing. And the old thinking was, my faith, uh, your, faith, your, your faith allowed me to bless you with something that you were to keep. But this one, I'm, you're going to have to have faith to receive it, but you're also going to have to use your faith to give it away. But if you still have your faith activated to keep, somebody that needs what I gave you won't get it because you're working in old anointing. Oh, my God. The third thing that Elijah told the woman to do was to believe. He told her, like, I'm going to take, like, God's going to take care of you by being obedient. I believe that there's this part where people believe in their faith to get it, but they don't believe that God really wants to get it to them. 
Like, we want God to bless us, but I don't know if we really believe that it's in his character to bless us. So then the religious thing to do when you don't think that somebody's going to give you something isn't to use your faith, but to beg. The funny thing about where she is is that she is justified in begging. She is justified in crying. Even if she would have thrown a Holy Ghost fit or a tantrum, I think Elijah probably would have had a little bit of empathy for her. But once she told him something, once he told her something specific, her mindset changed. Listen to this. I want to read it one more time. He said, the jar of flour will not do what? Run out. And the bottle of oil will not become empty before God sends rain on the land and ends this drought. The significance of the blessing, write this down, is that he would allow her to be the sole source of oil and flour for the nation. Elijah calls a drought. God blesses Elijah. God gives Elijah instruction. Elijah follows instruction. He meets the woman with nothing. He tells the woman, make me a cake. But then he says something specific. He says, the oil's not going to run out and the flour's not going to run out. Once, and once you are, have enough that you need, then I'll bring rain. Do you know how long it takes for grain to be turned into a harvest, to be turned into wheat, to be ground into flour, then to be put into bread? That's a, that, that, that takes forever. Basically what God is saying, he says, I'm going to bless you more over so that you have enough, but there's going to be no water, there's going to be no grain so that you can sell it to the people that need it from you. So I'm not just going to bless you, but I'm going to give you the ability to create wealth for your family. Having grain in your house is not enough. Having oil in your house is not enough, ma'am. What I'm going to do is I'm going to bless you more than enough, and I'm not even going to send rain. Because once I give you what you need, it's going to be a draw to every other person. So I'm not just blessing you for you. I'm blessing you for the people around you. The minute that Elijah said that, it seemed like the thinking in her mind totally turned around. She went from begging and wanting to die to a businesswoman. I want you to understand something. The minute that God blesses you, he translates you from what you think about yourself to what you should and can be. That's why when we say that God sees you the way that you are, not the way that you am right now, that's what it means. God didn't see this woman as a woman ready to die. God saw this woman as a woman that was ready to supply. (laughs) He said, you don't even know what you have. The reason why your pots are empty are so that I can fulfill them. I'm not even going to send rain. I'm not going to send grain. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send people to you because you have more than enough. This is why you have to be wealthy, not can be wealthy. And I'm talking about stupid, ignorant wealthy, like ignorant to the point where people hate you and you just keep blessing them. You have to be wealthy because if you're the only person in your house with bread, you're going to be the fat cat. And that's not how it's supposed to be. We're all supposed to be fat. Oh, my God. Speak that over your life. We're all supposed to be fat. My storehouse does nothing if it's the only one full on my block. If I go to AWC, I, I, I love my neighbors, but I would much rather have a kingdom citizen living next to me because when I go to ask you for some sugar, yours comes with something different. When I go to ask you for another roll of toilet paper, it comes with anointing on it. What God wanted this woman to know is that I do not see you as a woman that's about to die. What I see you as is a woman that's about to supply. Somebody say hallelujah. So God doesn't see you at your worst state. His lens doesn't comprehend where she's at. I'm about to die. That, that's fine. Are you sick? I mean, I would know I created you. I mean, I hold all time in my hand. No, no, no. Like, sweetheart, you're ready to die, and I'm ready to give you the source for every other person around you. 
So if you started a business and you have only a handful of customers, you're too small. The kingdom of God, this is the problem. With everything that's going on, all out of these churches are, are, are breaking down. A lot of these churches aren't going to church because they are going to be affected by what's happening. But I believe that every church of God should be unaffected so that we can be just like that woman. So that when everybody's trying to figure out where to go, we don't need any type of virus kit. All we got to do is put some of that EVOO on your forehead and you're good to go. Like, I want you to understand, she was ready to die. And there are some of you that are probably watching or even sitting in this room. You look at your bank account every single day, and you're just, you, hey, listen, I'm ready to go. God, you can come and get me. Get me. I'm coming, Elizabeth. Like, like you re you're ready to go. You look at your bank account. You look at your wallet the same way that she looked at her jars. So God comes, and he gives you a crazy idea. You're going to feed the city. But, Lord, all I got is a handful of flour and a little bit of oil. Your marriage is going to save other marriages. God, we're, we're, I, I said something real mean to my husband yesterday, like re, real mean. And God's like, I wasn't there because it was unholy, so no, I didn't hear it. <laughs> like you cursed your son out. I, like I cursed my son out yesterday, God. Like all I got is a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. And God says, I don't care about who you think you are. I see you how I created you, with, which is holy, which is perfect, which is a owner, which is a giver, which is a lender. Like, you're not supposed to borrow. If you're borrowing, that means that I'm not a good God. So go ahead and die. But before you die, supply the rest of the world so that they can see that I'm good enough. Is this good? I need you to type it out. Is this good? God didn't want her to die. He wanted her to be a supply. So that's encouraging to where you are. If your family is taking out, is tap dancing on your last nerve, just be, just be ready. Because God wants to give you all the nerve to deliver them from the things that annoy you. The reason why you're not, the reason why you're not pulling out your hair in your family is because you're the anointed one. Because God wants to anoint the little bit of oil and the little bit of flour that you have so that you can provide to your family the bread that they don't have now. Because nine times out of ten while we're arguing, it has to do with bread. It's got to do with money. Money is the root of all happiness, right? Like the love of money is evil, but we read in, in Ecclesiastes that, that money and laughter, like they go like, like this. Like we might have reasons to be upset, but I bet you if I threw a hundred million at your family right now, y'all be laughing while y'all arguing. Your arguments would be a little bit different. It wouldn't be like, man, I hate these shoes. You'd be like, man, which other colors should I buy today? Your closet should be looking like Starburst. You feel me? So she went from a non-believer to a supplier for God's kingdom, which means that the biggest evan evangelical point for Christians is prosperity. The easiest way for you to win souls to Christ is to show them that you got everything that you need. Not having enough is like being the person that I can't stand, the person that's selling Girl Scout cookies in front of the grocery store. What I need is on the inside, but you trying to sell me something before I come in and you ain't got enough. There's a difference when somebody tries to show you a source and they need nothing from you. That's the reason why we have to be wealthy, so that when we approach people, we approach them for nothing better to help them out. 
I don't want nothing from you. I don't need your time. My, like, actually, we're late for a flight to go to Bora Bora for two weeks because we can. I just want to tell you that Jesus wants it for you too. God bless you. I'm getting on a flight. Like, you're supposed to have more than enough, not to entice people to God, but to basically show them that what I got, he wants for you too. Okay, let me move on. I'm meddling. I'm meddling. I'm meddling. The only help that God needs from you is the participation of your faith. That, that's all he needs. Just do what I told you to do, and I'm going to do what I need to do. Verse 17. Later on, this is what I was talking about earlier, people. Like, let me know that you're still with me. He said, later on, the woman's son became sick. The sickness took a turn for the worse, and then he stopped breathing. The woman said to Elijah, why did you ever show up here in the first place? A holy man barging in, exposing my sins, and killing my son. So the same woman who was translated from, she was ready to die, and now she's supplying the whole nation, is now accusing the man of God that he wants her to die. The man that provided you provision, now you believe is the same man that wants you to die. There are people that get things and like they, they become successful and then other bad things happen in their life and they can forget what God has already blessed them with. And they connect the bad thing with what happened now to how they used to think. This is why it's so important that once you get into this revelation, once you give your heart to Christ, that you make the translation from how you used to think to how you now think. When you used to think is that when you didn't have no money, that it was all God's fault or it was all your fault. But what happens is, is that once you have money and you understand that being wealthy is nicer than being broke, whenever you go back to broke or ever you ever lose anything, you know, okay, wait a minute. I've been broke before, and I've been wealthy. I know my God is good, and he wants the best for me. So if I'm broke right now, it's only for a season. Either God's trying to teach me something, or there's something important that I need to learn. But God won't make me die here. Because if he wanted me to die broke, he would have done it ten chapters before. So Elijah said, hand me your son. He didn't even respond to her. He didn't, he like, this, he, like, Elijah is a G. She probably going, how you going to walk in my house, barging in, making me all this type of bread and stuff, and then my son going to die? Oh, you ain't no real Christian. God ain't really working with you. I said, ah, shut up. Give, give me a son. Hand me the boy. He then took him from her bosom, carried him up to the loft where he was staying. And he was probably saying something like, this woman, crazy. I come up in here, gave her all this type of bread, gave her everything that she needed. Now you going to curse me out? Okay, let me put it in lingo that you understand. They came to church broken. They didn't have no wife. They didn't have no husband. They didn't have no job. Now they got a wife. They got a husband, and it ain't working out, and now they want to curse me out? <laughs> I'm going to step over here for a second. You came here. You were dying when you got here. I didn't give it to you. The glory of God allowed for a conduit when you came into this place for you to have it. Now you got it, but something else happened and you want to curse God. So Elijah doesn't talk to her because Elijah knows. Elijah said, I called a drought, God fed me, and God still dried up the river. So if the man can dry up a river, your son is okay. Okay, let, 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 me, let, me, let me go back to the word. Let, let me sit back down. Let me sit back down. Elijah said, hand me your son. He walks upstairs, he lays him on the bed, and then he does what? He prays. He doesn't beg God. He doesn't cry. He, does, he doesn't freak out, but he prays. Sometimes when people pray for you and they're crying and they're theatrics, that's all it is is a play. The power of God isn't moved by tears. The power of God isn't moved by jerks. Like, the power of God is moved by conviction and faith. 
So the next time somebody prays for you, don't look for the theatrics. Look for if the power of God is manifested in their words. Then he prayed, oh, God, my God, why have you brought this terrible thing on this wood? I think that's kind of how he prayed because he had faith. Like, oh, God, my God, let me do this so that she feels something's really about to happen. Why would you allow this boy to die who has opened her home to me? Why have you killed her son? The third thing that I want you to understand today is that provision brings life to dead things. Somebody in that house had to know they had more than enough to be used in that moment. It's impossible for you to be sent into a dead place and you be dead and expect something to come to life. So if you're in a situation, if you're in a relationship, if you're in a group of friends, if you're working out a space that seems dead, if you're dead, we got a problem. But if you're alive, there's hope. There are some situations that you're called to specifically. And God wants to provide a miracle for others through you. Like, this is why we must be wealthy. Like, I've, I've said it once, but I'll say it again. This is the reason why you have to have more than enough. And it's not just money. You need to have more than enough faith for somebody else. You need to have more than enough joy for somebody else. There is somebody at your job right now that questions taking their knife every single night, and they say, well, if I don't see Susan at work tomorrow, I'm going to do it. Like that, that, that inconvenient errand that you run every Saturday to go to, the, to the, gr the grocery store or to go to the bank. I honestly believe that there's somebody that's waiting for you. To, like they showed up to work to see you. Okay, teacher, there is a student in your school that is being bullied hellaciously and he's screaming. She's crying silently and nobody knows it. But she knows if I can get to Mrs. Time's classroom. I mean, I might only have her for 50 to 30 minutes, and if you're blocked, you got her for longer. But if I can get into her classroom, it's worth going through what I'm going to go through for the next four to five hours. Your children are waiting on you. They might not be able to articulate it, but your babies, when they see you, they're like, okay, I, I can't regulate how I feel, but I see mommy. Your husband fights all day at work. He passes thousands of houses to come to you, the same one that you think is cheating. No. When he comes home, he doesn't want to not sleep with you because he doesn't have the energy. It's because he's been fighting all day, and he doesn't want to come home and fight you. I want you to understand something. Sometimes when your husband or your wife comes home and they have no energy, it's not because they don't want to see you. It's because now they're able to put their guard down and not use that energy. This is the reason why you have to have more than enough so that people don't have to supply it for themselves. You don't got no joy, I got enough. I got the joy of the Lord for your life. You don't have faith, use some of mine because mine works. I got a track record. I got receipts of how my faith works, and it, and it, it works like it's, it's like a 99.9%. It's on Hall of Fame in 2K. Like two, if 2K was prayer, I'm out here on the blacktop, on my character, on like all of it. My, okay, let, let me go back. <laughs> 21st verse. This is my close. After Elijah prays for the young boy, he realizes that prayer might not be enough. He, he realizes that calling on the name of the Lord, not that it's not enough, but maybe God's requiring more of me. Maybe God's requiring more of me than to pray. So what does he do? Three times he stretches himself out full length on the boy. He goes from God, do what you need to do, to you know what? I'm just going to stretch out on it. I'm going to lay on top of this thing that is dead. Like, I'm going to expose every part of who I am to this. Like, this business ain't working. Stop praying. It's time to stretch your. Okay, I'm, I'm moving. I'm moving. I'm moving. I'm moving too quick. But did you get it? Like, I'm, I'm moving. I'm, I'm moving a little bit too quick. Praying with all of his might, 
Don't just pray with the reserve that you have categorized for what you want. Pray with all of it. God, my God. His prayer changes. Remember, before he says, before he says, oh God, my God, why have you brought this terrible thing on this widow? Who has opened her home to me? Blah, 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 blah. But I think that once he realized that just calling on the name of the Lord wasn't enough, he became poised. I think he came to God a little bit different. Once he lays the boy down and he lays on top of the boy, I think he sounded a little bit like this. He said, God, now look, my God, not just a God, but you are mine, like you're mine. I possess this opportunity that when I open up my mouth, you hear me. So this is no joke. He worships him before he asks him for what he wants. My God, you're like, you're, you're mine. In every situation, you've been mine. Even when I didn't know you, you were mine and I am yours. Like, so I want to make sure you understand that I'm taking this opportunity to rectify the fact that you are God. Not just a God that like heal my son. No, 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 no. Like before you heal him, I want to acknowledge the fact that you were here before this situation happened. Matter of fact, God, you saw this happen before it happened and you know I have the victory, so I shouldn't be worried. He doesn't just ask him for anything. He's specific. First, he acknowledges God. Second, he's specific. Listen to what Elijah says. Elijah says, put breath back into this boy's body with an exclamation point. Not God, if it's your will. I mean, I hope, sir. I hope you want to heal me. No, no, no. He says, look, God, put breath back into this boy's body. He's not yelling at God to demand him, but he's demanding of him. There's a difference when you are the son of a father. There's a difference. If I need something that you said you were going to give to me, if I'm yelling at you, I'm not asking you for something that you didn't say you were going to give me. It's owed to me. When you gave your life to Christ, health wasn't something that you have to like go and ask for. Health is something that you were able to demand. I declare and decree I am healed. I'm not asking for healing. I am healed. I hope I'm not dragging this out because I believe that somebody's beginning to begin set free because your prayer life is about to change. The way that you look at wealth, it's about to change. The way that you look at prosperity is even changing right now. Underline this, God did what? Listened to Elijah's prayer. And then he put breath back into his body. I want you to understand how specific it is. As Elijah was speaking, God was listening. I don't want you, there's a difference between hearing and listening. Hearing is, okay, get done, okay, bada bing, bada boom, there you go. No, as Elijah is praying, praying, I believe that God is literally looking at him like, he knows how to communicate with me. First of all, he buttered me up by telling me I'm God. Then he buttered me up even more because this one, that one was unsalted. This one got some salt in it, you feel me? This, this, this is good. Because he said, I'm his God. Then he took the bread and put it in the oven on broil. That's called the bread. Go and Google it. It's the best thing ever. Because then he demanded of me something that he knows that I don't just need to give to him, but it's owed him. Wealth is owed to you. Provision is owed to you. More than enough is owed to you. There is no way that you can call yourself a son or a daughter of God and be broke. That It's literally illegal. The word of God says that his children do not beg for bread. So if you're begging for bread, you cannot call yourself a son of God.
God puts breath back in the boy's body and he becomes alive. Elijah picks the boy up. He carries him downstairs from the loft and he gave him to his mother. He says, here's your son, alive. Listen to this, verse 24. The woman said to Elijah, I see it, what? All now. 20 chapters, 20 verses ago, I was ready to die. And now you've proven again that the faith that I needed in the beginning is a little bit different. I need faith before to, to not die. And now I had to use my faith to bring him back to life. There is some stuff that you have been asking God not to, like, not, not to let die. You've been using your faith like, God, just please let us get another day. And God wants you to have faith not to make it to another day, but to literally give it more life. Not give it a couple of years, but to give it a new life. She says, you are a holy man. When you speak, God speaks. A true word. What I want to encourage you with today is that God is going to provide you some situations to prove that he's God in other people's lives. We talk about wealth, we talk about money, and people think that it's like this prosperity message. But the people that are making the biggest change right now with everything going on in the world aren't the ones that are praying. It's the ones that got some ducats, got some bing-bings, got some skrilla, got some paper to throw at these issues, and then they pray. They write a check, and then they get on their knees. It's not saying that prayer is less important. It says that this issue needs some money, and my God gave me some to give. Let me give them the bread, and then I'm going to get on my knees and really take care of the issue. What would this woman have looked like praying to God to feed them with an empty jar and an empty pot? Her prayer was a little bit different when she had more than enough. God wants you to pray from a place not of lack, but a place of provision. And I hope that through this series, we will begin to reconstruct your thinking to not think that you need, to not think that you're okay where you are. If you see the bills and you have questions, that's not kingdom. If you see, if you're avoiding situations because you know that they need some money, that's not kingdom. If you take your family on vacation and you don't have options, that's not kingdom. If you do all of your grocery shopping in between the things that are on the shelf that have a shelf life, that's not kingdom. You're supposed to eat things that need to be refrigerated. You're supposed to eat things that are green and purple and blue and, and like that need to be grilled that you can't keep in your refrigerator for forever because if it's going to stay forever on a shelf, how long is it going to stay in your body? No, no, no. What we're supposed to be as kingdom citizens is, is walking in to grocery stores, adopting that grocery store and taking care of the entire neighborhood. That's where you're supposed to be because what it does is it doesn't point fingers back at you. What happens is when people point fingers at you, you say, no, 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 no. I adopted Baker so that God could bless you. Not I, like He gave me this to give to you. We are called to bring dead things back to life. But I, I think that God is asking us uh, to use our little to, for, for his glory.